Hey everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I'm your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we are Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. So Scott, we're, uh, we got a chalked full show as usual. We're going to take a look at the AFC South, the NFC South. We're going to do a little bet the farm. And, you know, whatever other fun things we want to throw in there. We've got a full slate of baseball to take a look at. So, yeah, we uh, we need to get to it. How did how did your uh, how did your day go yesterday with the end, ends up being four baseball games? Did you get down on anything? Uh, overall, fine. Can't really complain. I took it kind of easy today because of the lack of quality options. Plus, I ended up going to an engagement party. Wasn't mine, so it ended up working itself out. And uh, one of my favorite phrases in... The English language, open bar. So I had a good time. And an open bar at the engagement party? Yep. My goodness. And did they have like top shelf stuff? Was it the good stuff? or? I wouldn't say it was good stuff. They had various bottles and they had a cooler with some beers and some alcoholic seltzers and whatnot. I stayed away from the seltzers, but I had maybe a couple beers and some other harder alcohols. Outstanding. All right. Very good. It sounds like a, sounds like a great time. I know you said it was outside, so yep, no worries as far as anything else goes. So that's good. Yeah, it was a kind of a slow night in baseball. A couple of a uh, uh, couple of awful beats, and you know we might talk about that a little bit later. But we did have to dig, we did have to dig pretty hard for our uh, for our segment. And you know what, Scott? Let's show the fruits of your labor. So let's just go ahead and kick it off. And this is going to be. You know the drill. You know what we do around here. It's the games where it didn't go quite as you planned. Maybe the first part of it did. Maybe even the first, let's say, for example, seven innings. Six innings went perfectly according to plan. And then all of a sudden, everything blew up. And at the end, you just had a loser. All you could do, tear that ticket up and call the cops. All right, Scott. Like I said, this is the you really had to dig hard for some of these. And let's go to the NBA Summer League, shall we? Magic and Warriors under 171 and a half. Oh, no. Even in the summertime, they do this to you, Scott. 166 in regulation. You know how it works, kids. They don't call it under time. And they played another five minutes, and that was plenty to put the whooping on you. That game landed 180. If you had under 171 and a half, well, you were right. That's exactly, uh, you You won that bet for four quarters. Unfortunately, they decided to play some more, and uh, you are stuck calling the cops. And this is definitely the most obscure play that we have on the Call the Cops segment. If you were in minor league British soccer, first of all, go to a meeting. Second of all, if you had Nottingham Forest pick them against Coventry City, you were in good shape. Because Coventry Nottingham City. Nottingham Forest led 1-0 in the 80th minute. Then Coventry tied it, 1-1 going into stoppage time. Coventry scored again in the 96th minute, but since it's stoppage time and not extra time, that is a losing bet. Pick them, you would have got a push out of it. Instead, you got nothing as Nottingham lost 2-1. Oh, well, that's just that's just uh, that'll teach me to bet on minor league soccer in in, in England, Scott. I I should you know you'd think I'd learn my lesson, but no, I keep going back to Nottingham Forest and they disappoint me once again. 
Well, Scott, let's go to a more traditional summer sport, shall we? It is the world of baseball. And if you had the Yankees-Royals under 9.5, my goodness, you were a genius for the first six innings. Zero to zero. Yankees, uh, they each scored one in the seventh. They each scored one in the eighth. Yankees were up 3-2 with two outs in the ninth inning. They just needed one more out. Scott, I know you're not thrilled with that relief core, especially with Chapman on the shelf, but they really, really did a bad job. Of course, because it's the Royals, they didn't do a bad enough job to lose. They just gave up the one run. They go to extras. They led 5-3 in the 10th inning. Nope, Royals score two more in the bottom of the 10th. I don't know, Scott. I just I just stopped disgustingly watching it when it was 8-5, so... Whatever it is, it's more than nine and a half, and that's really all I cared about in this game. So if you had the Yankees-Royals under nine and a half, congratulations. You read it right. You made a great play. And at the end of the day, all you can do is call the cops. Definitely not a fun time if you're sitting through about a four-hour baseball game just to have a couple of really bad beats go your way in the same game. Yeah, just just brutal. That is, that is a hard game to watch. The Royals just, you know... They, they, I don't know. Neither one of these teams can score, Scott. I, I'm the difference between the difference between the Royals and the Yankees. We're not dreaming about the Royals somehow making the playoffs and, and winning the World Series. That's yep. not going to happen for Kansas City. So there is there is better news, Scott. Of course, our second our second segment. This is the games that went exactly the way you planned. There were no late inning shenanigans. Uh, no reason to call the cops. No reason to get the police involved in any way, shape, or form. These were the games where you had a nice, easy victory, and you were sitting. Where were you sitting, Scott? In the rocking chair. In the rocking chair. So, the first one was in a match between the Reds and the Indians. If you had the Indians on the money line, first of all, you got yourself a very nice plus price. Indians led 5-1 to one after three innings, led 8-1 to one after four innings, won the game 9-3. to three. We know Luis Castillo had very good numbers over the last month and change. Didn't look like it yesterday because he got absolutely shelled. Yeah, he was. He looked like the old Luis Castillo that started the season. The April version. Yeah, the April version of Luis Castillo. Absolutely dreadful there. Well, if you had the White Sox on the run line minus one and a half, that was a nice easy win. They led, what, three nothing after one, seven nothing after two. They end up winning 11-1, putting a whooping on the Minnesota Twins. Definitely a fun time fading Minnesota this season, wouldn't you say so? Yes, yes. They, I got, I got. It's, it's August. I think it's okay to believe that the Twins really are that bad. Shout out to Baldelli though, still keeping his job somehow. Have but, they? Has any manager been fired this year? No, I was going to say that's probably the biggest sweat there is in sports right now that people don't talk about. If you had first manager fired. You're sitting through this for a lot longer than you thought you were going to. Well, yeah, I don't think they're going to fire anybody now. Yeah, now they're in too deep. Yeah, abs- but, absolutely. Now you just wait for the end of the season and make all your moves off season. So, Anyway, looking at the final rocking chair win, we go back to Summer League, where we started with these two segments. If you had the Suns and Jazz under 167.5, you, A, are some kind of mad genius, and B, should probably still go to a meeting. But either way, 22 points in the first quarter, 63 points in the first half. So you're in great shape anyway. You just need to avoid complete Armageddon in the second half. How about 24 points in the third quarter? You think you're safe after that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're looking good. What what did it end up on? 
120. 120. There you go. Went so. under by 47 and a half points. So you went you go under by 30%. Yeah, that's impressive. That's Yeah, that's definitely the easiest winner you'll find on the card today. That's that's yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing. So Scott, you know, I know we joke about going to a meeting, but number one, uh, I had a play of the day on Canadian football on Saturday night, so I can't speak. And I've number- been on Summer League in the past profitably, <laughs> so I was just teasing, but I'm sure a lot of people might be wondering, who bets on this stuff? Yes. The answer is more people than you think. Yep, that's as, that's absolutely true. So as always, you know, we don't remind you guys of this enough. I know that if anybody's out there that does have a problem that feels like it's getting away from them, there are a lot of resources in your state. Please look it up and avail yourself of the help, the opportunities, and um, yeah, take care of business there. So I don't, I just have to put that caveat on there because we joke, we joke about that a lot. And the because, Nottingham Forest stuff, I don't know if you fully take back what you said, but the summer league stuff, I've been on it before. No, I think you know, but I know, man. There's a lot of guys that make money on soccer, Scott. They they they, they go down the card. They do Asian soccer. It is it is incredible to see that you know they are able to to cap those games from the second league in Bulgaria. And I mean, hats off to them. I just I don't know where they find the time. I got to be honest with you. So, all right, Scott. Well, let's uh, let's get to it, shall we? There is a uh, <laughs> again. We had a couple of contenders for this next award. But I think I think we have the right winner right here, Scott. Oh man, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do it because this is fantastic. All right, you know this is the point of the show where we uh, let you know who's wearing the golden feed bag today. Scott and I took a sec- a secret vote. We vo- <laughs> we voted on this, and it came out the same way, ladies and gentlemen. I present to you for Tuesday the 9th, or excuse me, for Tuesday the 10th of August. It is your donkey of the day. (laughs) Scott, take it away, sir. So, since we were talking about soccer just a second ago, that's going to segue us into this section. Because for donkey of the day, we're looking at a fan what? In sports and... Colorado? It's not the fan you think it is. No, it's not <laughs> Colorado. It's actually not even in this country. It involves Barcelona. Mm. And if you are a fan of them, you know that Messi is no longer there. However, there is one fan who decided to go above and beyond to try to prevent Messi from actually leaving for France. He's taking it hard, Scott. A, yeah, a Barcelona fan is in a bit of denial as he is suing the European Union's European Commission, if you didn't know what that is, that's okay too. Neither did we about an hour and a half ago. Uh, in an attempt to prevent Messi from going to PSG. Does he have any legitimate grounds? Not particularly, but Messi's his favorite player and it's unfair. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, he's, he's stomping his feet. He had enough money to hire a lawyer or he had connections or whatever. And... He, do you want to delve into why he's suing Scott? Is it is it too far in the weeds? Is it too inside baseball? I mean, because people are... I mean, I think we have to give them something, right? I feel like you can make an argument as to why he's doing it. Maybe there might be some very, very small grounds. But we talked the other day about how Barcelona is about a billion dollars in debt. I don't exactly think that even if he wasn't going to PSG, and you can make an argument, well, France, French soccer violated rules. Cool, he probably would have gone to man city anyway 
Like I don't, he wasn't staying in Barcelona no matter what. So it's, I feel like you're wasting your time. Right. I agree. That's and the, the, the crux of the lawsuit is the fact that according to the lawsuit that PSG is in, for lack of a better term, I'll just say worse financial shape than Barcelona. I, I, I can't hardly make myself say it that way, but I guess technically it is correct. But, and that's, that's the crux of the lawsuit. And Scott, they were supposed to have a big, messy coming-out party this week, and now it's kind of up in the air. Do you think this is actually going to have an effect? Is this are they going to have any traction on this at all? No, because I'm just imagining how much litigation and how many separate hearings you're going to need to have in order for it to be passed. So even if there is some type of issue, do I think there's going to be a temporary hold on Messi's start with PSG because of a fan interaction? No, I, I don't think it's going to accomplish anything. I think maybe... You can hope for the fan to get a settlement of some kind, which is, I don't know, maybe tickets to see Messi play in a French uniform. But no, I, I don't exactly see much changing because at the end of the day, we talked about it before, and I'm going to say it again, Barcelona could not pay Messi. So whether he was going to France or England or even China, he was going somewhere because Barcelona couldn't pay for him. Maybe he can win like $500 million in this lawsuit and then just give it to Barca. That's the dream. That's the dream. I don't exactly trust that, but I'm rooting for him. As a side, actually. As a side note, were you surprised that Messi signed for two years and not three? No, I, I thought he might sign for one. I mentioned the idea that he might go for a medley kind of move, which is what Ronaldo did, where you kind of spend time on various teams for a year or two and then hop around. But you make an argument that if PSG isn't necessarily in good enough shape to win a Champions League trophy which of course is the main achievement you could have as a team player in European soccer, then you can make an argument that if it's three years of bad management in comparison to two, you'd rather take two. So if Barcelona maybe wants to play for Man City a couple of years down the road, maybe Bayern in Germany or other, some, or other really talented teams, I'm not exactly surprised because he might want the opportunity to jump ship if things don't go well. He's like you a football prostitute. I mean, that's your words, not mine, but he definitely didn't do it first. A lot of soccer players, especially you can make money anywhere in these European countries. Ronaldo's making nine digits. Messi's making nine digits. You can really make whatever money you want. So it's not like that really matters. The only thing left is adding trophies to the trophy case and to your legacy. So I'm not surprised he's spending two years instead of maybe longer. You okay. So, you know, I, I was, when you put it that way, no, I'm not surprised. If this was going to be like his last contract, then yeah, I'm surprised he only got two years out of it. But that, How old is Messi again? 34? 34, right. So he's not Chris Paul. It's not like he's signing until he's 40. He's got time to play for a couple other teams if he wants to. Okay. Fair enough. And quick reminder, everybody, you guys are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. All right, Scott. Let's you know what? Let's talk let's talk about this. Let's get it out of the way. We love Barstool around here, right? Well, uh, I've definitely listened to some of their content in the past. I know you're not exactly the biggest Barstool guy. I'm not I'm not in their demo. You are in their demo, Scott. Do you like Barstool? I think Barstool's okay. I definitely am aware of all the negative associations with the actual organization. Uh, personally, I think their flags are the cheesiest thing a college student could buy. But they're, no, as a whole... They're flags. 
what? the Saturday or for the boys flags with like the American flag idea, but it's like different colors and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I don't have any idea what you're talking they about. They have the though. slogan, which is in like every basic bro dorm room, which just says Saturdays are for the boys. And you see it like outside of every single frat house in America. Really? It's all over the place. Yeah. It's like a well-known slogan that I don't know if Barst- I don't know if Barstool started, but all the flags people buy with that slogan are definitely 100% Barstool property. If if you live in an all-male dorm, Scott, what are the other six days for? It's a great question. <laughs> I I don't for telling other people that one day's for the boys. I, I don't S- know. Saturday's for the what is it, Friday for the Goombas? <laughs> the Goombas, uh, right? I, I don't know. But don't... the point is is that <laughs> okay. that's kind of my association through Barstool. Of okay. course they make content on YouTube and whatever. I don't really listen to their podcasts. I know their podcasts are very popular. I don't really listen to them, but well, that's gonna segue us into what Barstool's doing because apparently they're heading into another business venture. Yeah, they are in negotiations right now with Rob Manfred and MLB to broadcast some midweek games. Wow. <laughs> they already they also got a bowl game already planned to at least sponsor is it, in the upcoming college football. Is it season. gonna be the Barstool Bowl? It could be. I'll tell you what though, that has a nice ring to it. What what do you know what bowl it's it's taking? Whose place? Hopefully it's not the Cheese It Bowl. That's all that matters uh, to me. Gotta have those cheese it bowls. Love the damn cheese it bowl. So is this a good move for MLB? I mean, it's hard to believe that Manfred would do anything anything correctly. Doesn't seem like any reason for him to start now. The backlash has already begun on social media um about this move. It's not great timing with the incident in Colorado, and you and I kind of made a joking allusion to it earlier, but there's certainly, at the very least, Scott, there's more to the story than would appear to meet the eye, was first reported. And Manfred's been a little slow to acknowledge what, Scott, any of that? Pretty much them or the Rockies organization as a whole. Yeah, not a, not an ideal look. So is it worth the backlash for baseball to... Uh, to, to get in bed with Barstool? And does Barstool have enough clout, enough reach among the youngsters like yourself, Scott, to bring some of the younger generation back to baseball? So just to actually be clear for some of the people who don't know, the backlash is solely around the fact that Barstool is a primarily white male organization. We're, running, we're have, running low on those. We could use a few more. I definitely think you have enough of those maybe in the South, but maybe in the North you could add a couple more. But no, actually, though, the point is that people have an issue with Barstool because they have a misogynistic reputation. And I don't exactly remember if Portnoy himself, who's one of the heads of the company, had an issue using a racial slur in the past. I remember, I believe that was surfacing maybe a year ago. I don't exactly recall. But the point is, is that they're very, very basic bro-ish, like I talked about before. So the question is, of course, they're going to alienate some female potential baseball fans because they don't exactly want baseball to end up joining forces with a company that's allegedly misogynistic. Having said that, they're still very popular. They still do really well with the younger demographic. And if the point of baseball is to increase viewership and Barstool has a ton of podcasts and one of their baseball podcasts is the most listened to baseball podcast in the entire country, then they clearly have some type of audience for baseball. So I don't have an issue with it. The point is, is you make an argument, well, they're alienating fans. And my argument is, are you sure those fans were watching Tuesday baseball games anyway? Well, that's, that's the question. And we, st- and we still don't know like what platform it's going to be on, how it's going to be presented, because there's no, 
There's no barstool channel on your local on your on your local cable company's lineup. They do a lot of stuff either through podcasts on the radio or through just Twitch streams online. So maybe they could find a way to synergize both. But I'm assuming it would just be like a radio broadcast on a regular XM station or even like in their I don't want to call it a man cave, but for Barstool, I feel like that's a perfect way to describe the basement they all watch sporting events in. I feel like it could be one of those, but I don't have an issue with it. If the point is that we all know baseball's ratings are imploding every single year, I'm fine with them trying to reinvent the wheel. You? Yeah, I guess so. I'm, you know, I'm just, it's just, it's just something that doesn't appeal to me. I do listen to their, uh, pardon, pardon my take during football season on, on Monday. I like their, I like their Chris Berman impressions where they, uh, where they run down each game. I think that's entertaining, but yeah, I just, I'm just a little, just, it's, again, just not my demo. So I wish him lots of luck and I'm with you. Anything that can bring viewers to baseball or, you know, let the younger generation know that baseball isn't boring and horrible. And, you know, we got to keep them from watching the Yankees and the Royals play. But, you know, other than that, that was that was like an, that was like watching a college basketball game where nothing happens for the thir- first thirty eight minutes, and then in the last two minutes they just start draining threes and go and they go nuts. Ended up eight six by the way, Scott. And I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to say it. I can say that the Royals lose eight six. We're sitting on sitting on four runs after eight. Yeah, right after after eight, yep. and uh, they scored ten runs. Yep. After the eighth inning, that's that's ridiculous. Something has to be done. Can Not I fun. can I old can I old man rant here, Scott, and say this man on second base needs to go away? Uh, you can. This should be the last year it exists. But just to go back to the Barstool thing really quickly, I know that you can make an argument about the misogynistic angles for Barstool, but the only thing I know is that whether or not they were involved in baseball, these allegations about Barstool's character have existed for a long time, and yet they still do extremely well. Yeah. So you can make a case to take the high road and talk about how it's a terrible idea and a terrible look. The point is Barstool has a ton of supporters, whether or not you agree with them or not. And baseball could use some of those supporters. Yeah. And it could be a, it could be a business decision as baseball sits down and say, well, who's more likely to watch baseball? Um, a, a male in their twenties who may be betting on it by now, or a female who's likely to be offended by Barstool. And I think they've made a calculated cold-blooded business decision that they'd rather take a shot at the at the 20-something males. At the end of the day, they're all businesses. Yeah. Sports leagues are all trying to make money. And we know that ratings are a big reason why you are able or unable to make money. So if you want to try a different approach, not going to bother me. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Scott, speaking of money, you know who's going to get paid? Luka Doncic. He's absolutely going to get paid. Just signed a five-year deal. Um, $207 million, $207 million, Scott, that's about what, 40, 41.6 a year, somewhere around there. That's That's, it. That's pretty strong, pretty strong, right? That's, yep. Is he worth it? Uh, yeah. You don't have a choice. He's on the rookie contract, so he can apply for the super max and Dallas had to keep him. I mean, there's no way you can let him walk. Now explain to the, explain the super max to the people that don't get down in the weeds with the NBA salary situation. So basically there's a rule to try to incentivize players to stay on the team that drafted them after your rookie contract. Of course, there are some personal accolades that are involved in there. If you make an all-star team, you make an all NBA team, stuff like that, you can earn more money. But the premise is to try to keep teams who drafted players 
in possession of the players so they don't just immediately test free agency as quickly as possible. So what you'll see is a lot of really, really talented draft picks, top 10 guys who have been playing well, whether or not they actually like the town they play in, they will kind of automatically re-sign after the first contract because they can make so many extra million dollars just by re-signing. Okay. So the idea with this is that Doncic re-signed for the extra money. Now, I don't exactly have the dollar figures figures in front of me. I want to say it's like an extra 50-plus million dollars by signing with Dallas. Could be more, could be less. But the point is, is that Doncic is here to stay. And if he's going to end up testing for agency, it's going to be after this upcoming contract where he's getting paid a boatload of money. Well, and that's pretty cool because you got to remember, Scott, he's how old? 22. He's 22, so he'll be... 27 when this contract has run its course. That's still pretty prime time playing uh, time right there, right? Yeah, and I'm assuming that unless Dallas builds them a winner, maybe you can have a Giannis situation where he ends up showing loyalty and the team goes all in. With Cuban going all in, wouldn't surprise me. No. But let's just say that we have some odds here on what Dallas's chances are to win the NBA Finals this year. Yeah. They're not good. Well, they are if you if they hit. <laughs> uh, that is true, but that's a huge if because it's not going to happen. Twenty-eight to one, Scott. Pass. No, don't don't until, want any, don't any part of that. Until they get rid of Hingus Pingus, I'll pass. You. Yeah. There's so much dead salary with Porzingis. I I just can't do it. You know, I mean, he's still going to play, right? He's yes. Not, he's not going the anywhere. Is, is he going to play well, or or how long is he going to play? Is he going to play more than 30 pieces? games? I don't know. Yeah, I know. No. So, I, I can't. Dallas needs a lot of pieces, and re-signing Tim Hardaway is a good move. It's not the move that you needed to win a title, especially against a potentially healthy Lakers team. You got Phoenix. You got Denver with Jamal Murray probably for the second half of the year. The Clippers are a lost cause because Kawhi's going to be out for the year. But you can go through the actual just standings in the Western Conference. Best-case scenario... Dallas is what, like the fourth best team in the West? Yeah, that's about right. And that's, and that's not even mentioning the East teams with the Bucks, the Sixers, of course, the Nets. So Dallas might be what, like the eighth best team in the league? They're not going to win a Somewhere title. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Do you I'm think they, they they need help? Okay. Do you think where was it? Where was Atlanta, Scott? In talking about my top uh, yeah, rankings there? Yeah, the ranking, we're ranking Dallas's top eight. Where was Atlanta? That's a good point. That might be ninth. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I didn't, it, I didn't even include Atlanta. That's a good point. It, no, my, my point is it could happen because Atlanta just about pulled off the improbable run this season. Or you had a bunch of injuries involved there, too. I didn't even include Miami. And Miami's got to be worth mentioning because of all the moves they made during the offseason. That's but, true. Well, and I was kind of curious that Dallas didn't make more moves, but it now makes sense because they had to keep uh, everything in the piggy bank and to pay Doncic's, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's a situation where you can look at Dallas's roster. This team might be good enough to win one playoff round, but they need another superstar because Porzingis, until his contract's off the books, I think he's going to hold that team down for a while. Okay. And I'm assuming you agree with that. Yeah, I do. Um, and we're going we're gonna to take a look here, shifting gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the AFC and NFC South, Scott, but I just wanted to bring up Antonio Brown is in best shape of his life. No, he's a, he's ready for a new chapter. He's got his legal things pretty much got settled. He feels great. All the injuries um, are behind him. Allegedly, he says it's the best he's felt in years. I really want to hear a football player say, I feel terrible. 
during spring training. I just don't think I'm going to have training. it this year. It's happen. just not going to be my year. I'm, I'm doesn't con- happen. You know, I'll tell you what. Last year was good, but I can't duplicate that. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. I was absolutely out of my out of my mind last year. Mm-hmm. Way lucky. So, first of all, is Antonio Brown still a legitimate weapon? Yeah. Okay. Good I think ch- he is. Good now, you can talk about how he didn't do much with Tampa Bay last year, which is fair. He also caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. So right. So, he provided some type of offense to the team now is he the number one option on the team no and that's okay because you have mike evans and you have chris godwin so it's not like you need brown to have a crazy crazy year like he did in pittsburgh during the prime of his career you just need him to be a steady arguably number three receiver and i think he's capable of doing that I i feel bad for scotty miller he had the big catch against uh green bay yeah, he well, you know, he he led the, he led that team for most of the season in receiving, and then all of a sudden he didn't anymore, and he was relegated to backup status with the uh, emergence of Antonio Brown. But yeah, that's that's a heck of a receiving core. It really is. They've got a great defense. It's going to be tough. I, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat them, and uh, hopefully the Chiefs will be able to take care of business with them again in the uh, in the Super Bowl. Scott, do you, you see Tampa Bay making it back? I, yeah, you know what? I don't want I don't want to spoil it. Is that the best receiving core in the NFL? I think it has to be, just for the top three guys. If you want to talk about other teams, you can mention Dallas. If you're a big fan of CeeDee Lamb and you think he might burst onto the scene a little bit more than he did last year, Amari Cooper, of course, is very good. Gallup's very underrated, so they have three guys right there. Other than that, you can talk about Kansas City if you include Kelsey, which, of course, is a question mark because you're including a tight end in there. Right. But overall receiving cores, I got to put Tampa at one. You? You know, I don't hate Denver, and they're they're not as good as Tampa. But you've got Cortland's a sleeper. But I'm I'm waiting to see how Sutton looks off the knee injury. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And you've got to see KJ Hamler make that next take that next step as well. But I do like Cortland Sutton. I think Jerry Judy's going to be a, going to be an actual high quality receiver. So I'm but, not a big Judy guy. It's just a shame what... they don't have anybody to throw him the ball, Scott. <laughs> yeah, well, the main issue I had with Judy was the fact that in college he wasn't very good at catching the ball because um, he has a ton of drops. And in the pros, he still drops a ton of passes. Minor, minor detail. All right, guys, we'll be back on the other side with our preview of the NFC South and the AFC South. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? 
It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwiners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude. It's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of the show. This is, of course, Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, yesterday we took a look at the Eastern Conferences. We decided those were, uh, yeah, not uh, they were pretty chalky. Is that a fair way to put it? Uh, definitely a fair way to put it. Not not a lot of not a lot of surprises. So let's delve into the South, Scott. We started. Yesterday with the, what we start with, the AFC South, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. All right, well, let's, uh, I mean, we start with the AFC East. Let's, let's take a look at the AFC uh, South, if we will. And, of course, this is going to be your Tennessee Titans, Colts, Texans, and Jaguars. All right, Scott, can we pretty much just write off the Texans at this point? Yeah, Texans are a lost cause. Worst team, that. worst team in football? I would bet on them to have the worst record in the league. I'm trying to see if DraftKings has that. I know that at some point they did. Uh, but some books do have the worst record in the league. Let me see if I could actually find that. But either way, the point is is that, uh, yeah, this team's going to stink. Uh, yeah, fewest wins on DraftKings. Texans plus 250. Sure. Yeah, sign me up. Abs- absolutely true. So, you know, the and the other thing is, and I don't know that it's going to, I don't think it's going to apply to this division, but, you know, the, the, the big hot topics of conversation this week has been the worst to first bet. Yeah. Where uh, teams traditionally, somebody will go from from worst to first. And, Scott, is it going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars? No. Okay. Uh, I know that people on a bond to Lawrence, new coach staff, nothing Jacksonville has done during the offseason makes me believe that, that uh, Urban Meyer has any form of institutional control. I know that's a term that you use a lot in college. Right. But I'm going to apply it to the situation. Well, in fairness, he didn't first... have he didn't have any in college either. Yeah. What was the uh, first move that Harbaugh did? He signed a coach who had racial issues in the past. Wasn't that the first thing he did? You you mean Urban Meyer? Uh, no, I mean a guy Urban Meyer hired. Oh, Urban Meyer Jr. Oh yeah, that was a. I forgot what his name was, but the former Iowa coordinator or offensive line coach or whatever he yeah did. not good wasn't that the first thing he did yeah well pretty much yeah so he did that then he came out and talked about some new drill that they're doing to determine who's going to make the roster and it's literally just a special team blocking drill so i don't really know why he thinks he's reinventing the wheel there but people always try to focus on the college court the college coach who's able to make the transition and how he's a genius and how whatever there are a lot of really good college coaches who are awful in the pros. Yeah. Now, Saban, of course, I wouldn't say was awful in the pros, but since he's arguably the greatest college coach of all time, people weren't exactly expecting a one-and-done during his tenure in Miami. 
You can talk about Spurrier. You can talk about really a bunch of different options there, even Lane Kiffin, who was with the Raiders for a little while. So do I think, do I think that Urban Meyer is going to be a solid NFL coach? No, I don't. And that Jacksonville defense is still atrocious. Have they done anything to address the defense all offseason? Well, I know they did through the draft, but... You yeah, know. they drafted the cornerback in the second round. Right. So you could say that they addressed it. They also took a running back in the first round when you had basically an all-pro running back yeah, last, did, from last year. Didn't understand that, really, but... I don't either, but the point is, is that the defense is still going to be bad. And just because Urban Meyer's up-tempo system works in college doesn't mean it's going to work with actual elite athletes on the other side of the ball in the pros. Yeah, those guys are a lot faster on the defensive side. Everybody is faster. and it's Now, if you want to talk about worst to first bets, by the way... There's only one. It's, it's San Francisco. Yeah, there's only one. I, I mean, that's, that's just one. the move. Now, I would still pick Lance to be the quarterback over Garoppolo because I think we know Garoppolo has a pretty low ceiling. Lance, from what I've heard in camp, has been good. Yep. Once again, though, they're not going to tell you straight up the guy's terrible to ruin his confidence. But, but... Do, you, do you think those? Do you think there's any kind of political motivation behind those reports? That you think those are getting leaked on purpose about how good Trey Lance is doing and he's really aggressive in practice and really picking it up fast? Do you think that's designed to light a fire under Jimmy G? I think it's either to light a fire under Jimmy G. Or trying to tell the coaching staff, hey, use this guy. He's clearly better. We're all trying to win titles here. How many games do you think Jimmy Chi plays before Lance takes over? I think there might be a chance Lance starts. Okay. It's really, I'm actually buying into the momentum. I know that it sounds like a, I'd say a crazy thing to do because of the odds for Garoppolo to actually start week one. And I know that that's kind of a hook, line, and sinker situation, but if Lance does a light up preseason, which I think is possible, mm-hmm. there's really a chance that the 49ers decide, you know what? We have a tremendous roster. We're trying to win a title. And if Lance can give us that extra piece of explosiveness offensively that we've been missing with Jimmy G, Chenan might go for it. I think there might be a shot that he starts. Would I bet on him starting week one? No, but I do think there's a chance it happens. All right. At least more at least more of a chance than I thought two months ago. So that leaves us the Colts and Titans, Scott. And with the Colts all of a sudden having a quarterback problem or still having a quarterback problem, however you want to look at it, is there any challenge is there anybody that can challenge the Titans? Well, the Colts, if you wanna buy into the fact that they can piece together wins with pretty much no quarterback, because Easton's right now is their only starter. You've heard rumors about Foles. You've heard rumors about maybe a Brissette or somebody else, but it's not a pretty situation for Indianapolis. No, no, it is not. And I, you know, I, I wasn't uh, necessarily sold on Carson Wentz, but now they've gone from eh to bad. So. Correct. So do I like the Colts? No. Quinn Nelson's injury is even worse because he's probably their best offensive lineman. Right. But I'm picking Tennessee because this team is – pretty much locked in every year with Vrabel to win 10 or 11 games. Yeah. That's kind of what their MO is. Now, Vrabel, I thought, was atrocious in that playoff game against Baltimore. And that punt that he had in on uh, Baltimore's, I believe it was Baltimore's 39 in the fourth. I, it was one of the worst it was finalist r- coaching decisions I've ever seen. Ridiculous. Just absolutely but ridiculous. Besides the one bad decision in that game or the bad actual game plan against Baltimore, He's still a very good regular season coach. 
And as long as Tennessee has Derrick Henry, they have Brown, they have Julio Jones now, Tannehill's looked good. The defense stinks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That defense is awful. But if you're looking at the other three teams in the division who have serious flaws, each of them pretty important, Tennessee is by far and away the best team in that division. It's not even close. I don't hate their defense. I do hate their pass rush. Their pass rush is just absolutely dreadful. Well, correct. But I'm saying that even if the secondary is okay, the defensive numbers were so bad last year because of the inept pass rush. Right. And I didn't see them do much to address that besides getting rid of Clowney, which might be addition by subtraction. But they couldn't sack the quarterback when he got injured halfway through the season anyway. Yep. Minus minus 130. I think that sounds that, cheap to me, doesn't it? I think it? that's a lock. Yeah, absolutely. I just be, and the other thing is is you know, you get I would I would Masinic, so I would say four free wins every season against the Jags and Texans. You know, they might they might lose one of those. They might go three and one of those four, but likely they're gonna they're certainly gonna be favored in all fours. There's a better chance of the Colts losing two of those games than the Titans losing two of those games. Oh, sure. Absol- absolutely true. So, yeah. So we, if, you're, if you're trying to expect the unexpected, there's a better chance Indianapolis gets upset by a Jacksonville team like they did in week one last year as opposed to Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, turning our attention to the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the NFC South. We talked about the uh, receiving core for the Bucks here a little while ago. The Saints, of course, making their big move uh, with Drew Brees gone. Taysom Hill, Scott, is it going to be Taysom Hill? Is it is it going to be uh, Famous Jameis? Who is it going to be? I have no idea. Uh, I'll okay. go with Winston just for the sake of it. But you can get we can get Winston thirty to one comeback player of the year. By the way, I really want to meet somebody when I settle down who has as much faith in Taysom Hill as Sean Payton. I want somebody to trust me as much as Sean Payton trusts Taysom Hill because I don't see it. Yes, with with absolutely no reason to do so. Correct. All right. I, I totally agree. Having said that, I don't. I think Winston's the better player. Yeah. Now, does that mean much? No, because Payton might just trust his favorite guy for some reason and just stick with him. But if you're asking me who do I think gives him the better chance to win games, I'd go Winston because he's actually throw the ball consistently 30 yards downfield. Any way this team can challenge, they've got a decent running game. They've got a decent defense, good offensive line. Can they can, they, can they get it done with Taysom Hill behind behind center? Uh, it depends. How much do you buy into the distractions during the actual offseason? Do you think those matter or do you think those are overblown? Because the Saints got a lot going on. Well, I mean, go ahead and lay some of those out. You had Lattimore, who ended up having a gun in the airport. He's their best defensive back. I don't know if he's getting suspended or not. You don't know who your quarterback is. Michael Thomas is having a whole argument with the medical staff, and apparently Sean Payton hates him. And then you also have Will Lutz, who has officially been ruled out for the start of the season because he's injured. So you're missing your starting kicker. Your starting receiver is having surgery and missing the start of the year. You lost Emmanuel Sanders from last year. And on top of that, your best defensive back might be suspended for bringing a gun to an airport. Do you think all that adds up? Because it sounds like a circus to me. So three and a, plus 325, no way, dead money. I, I can't see it, at least until I know who the quarterback is. I'm not going to gamble because I'm sure you'd agree. Plus 325 looks a lot less appetizing if you realize Taysom Hill's behind center in comparison to Jameis. Because Jameis might throw a couple of really dumb interceptions. Yep. But he was on some pretty bad Tampa teams, and he still put up some huge numbers. With an actual offensive genius, quote-unquote, with Sean Payton, you have some untapped potential potentially there. We know what Hill is. He's a runner first who can occasionally throw, but not really. Now, 
they talk about baseball in the 30-30 club. Is Winston the only guy in the 30-30 club in football? Yes. I thought so. I didn't I didn't think anybody else had ever, had ever had a season like that. The only person who would have hypothetically have gone close would have been Test Severity with the interceptions. But 30 interceptions is a number that is, I don't want to say unbeatable, but usually you get benched after. I was going to say, yeah, you don't have an opportunity to throw 30 interceptions. You may be bad enough to throw 30 interceptions. You like, usually get benched after 20. Like the kid, what was the kid from Buffalo that, I think he's still in the league, that went through five interceptions and two picks. Peterman? Peterman, yeah, uh, Nathan Peterman. He was the backup or the practice squad for the Raiders. That's right. I think I think he's a free agent now, but I'm not sure. Yeah, nobody's rushed to sign him. Shot. Yeah, hello, hello, Indy. All right, Falcons, Panthers. Anything there for you? The Panthers, I'm tempted by. Now plus nine fifty. Is a team that I do admit has flaws, and I'm not sold on Sam Darnold being a the quarterback to lead you to a division title, be staying healthy for more than about 10 games at a time. Right. But you're looking at the actual coaching staff. I know both of us like Matt Rule a lot. We think Matt Rule's a very good coach. And even though that team talent-wise isn't very good, they had a lot of moments last year where they kept a lot of games close against far superior competition, and McCaffrey barely played last year. Well, they deserved a win in Kansas City. They they yeah. came, they came to they came to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs in every in every way shape or form except the final on the scoreboard. So you had that game. You had the game in New Orleans in the dome where they sent Sly out for like a 65, 66 yard field goal for no reason, which clearly ended up short. But Carolina hung tough. And if you're talking about a team that I don't exactly think is going to win the division, but you make an argument that has a certain never say die attitude, which you kind of need a little chip on the shoulder. I think Carolina is a pretty good option if you want to talk about a team that might overachieve, but you kind of need Brady to get injured if you want any shot to actually win the division. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, Brady's 75 years old, and... He plays like he's 40. No, he plays like he's 25. <laughs> he does. He does. But, you know, they're no matter how good a shape you stay in, at some point, father time comes knocking, Scott. I, I gave up on guessing father time for Brady. He's got numerous kids. He's been father time for years. Apparently, father time just means a second prime. Is he 44? Something like that. But, of course, he struggled last year. We all called him out on it. I thought he might have been injured. And apparently had a serious knee injury. So, assuming he looks... Are you, buy, are you buying that? I actually do. Okay. If you watched him play, you could tell how terrible he looked. Like, I, I'm really not surprised what was it? That. What was the excuse for the year before when he looked terrible? Uh, Old age. Okay. I, I, I don't know, but you can tell midway through last year, even in the playoffs, he just didn't look comfortable at all. So I'm not surprised. It's because he's 44. Peyton Manning final season, or it wasn't Drew Brees final season bad, but I actually buy the narrative because Brady looked so off regarding his deep passing. You could tell he just couldn't generate enough power from his base. I, I think agree. I agree with that. Oh, of course. I I absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, and we got to remind everybody that Tampa Bay didn't win their division last year. No. They were they we came, just think the Saints are about to fall off a cliff. Yeah, I, the Saints are going to be a little bit different than they were last year. You know, what are I your don't on the, What are your thoughts on the Carolina move? Cuz I feel like plus 950, I think you'll agree with me, Rule has a sense of a physical brand of football and the team is never really intimidated by anybody. And I think that if you're looking for a long shot underdog, which doesn't have a great chance of cashing, but if you want to throw a sprinkle around and see what sticks, I think there are worse bets to make than Carolina. 
Yeah, fair enough. Plus nine fifty. Go ahead and get you some. And Atlanta, no. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I just don't see the running game. I just, uh, I, I, I like Ryan. I think they've, I think they've got some good talent. They've shored up that defense, but they got, they got to have a running game, take some pressure off Matt Ryan, and I don't see so it. You so you like Ryan? I don't. I think Ryan's past his prime. He's immobile. The offensive line, I don't think, is that great. The defensive line, I don't think, is that great. They're rebuilding. Carolina is rebuilding too, but they're at least a year ahead of Atlanta. Well, yeah, this is welcome. Welcome to the Chalky McChalk Face Show here, as, uh, as we pretty much, and that's uh, we promise you, it's not going to stay that way all the way through. But that's the way it's gone. Well, are the 49ers favored to win the division? Yeah, I thought yeah. that if you shopped around, you occasionally would see a uh, Rams. Well, maybe. But... Don't ask me questions you already know the answer to, Scott. Because I have You said it was a chalk fest. I'm saying that. You well, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't gone there yet either. We haven't done the NFC West. I mean, just the last two days have been a chalk fest so far for us. Yeah, that's fair. All right, good enough. Remember, I'm saying it's not, it might not stay that way through, for the entire way through. That's what I said. Yeah, okay. I, I'm agreeing with you. Good talk. Yep. Quick reminder, everybody, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour. We'll give you the winners, and we're fitting to do that right now as we turn our attention to the major leagues. And big card here tonight, Scott. Not, not, like, the, not like the five games of yesterday in which one got canceled. So, by the way, I loved Milwaukee in that spot. That's that's a real shame. Happens. So, as is our habit, we did not leave ourselves a a ton of time, Scott, to uh, to talk Major League Baseball. We got about mm, ten minutes or so, so we're not going to do every game, but we are going to we are going to hit some of the highlights. What are, what is what's the uh, some of the games that have your attention here today? So, looking at the overall card, am I kind of obligated to go back to the well with the White Sox against Minnesota? I, I, Minnesota stinks. I mean, you could just look at the offense that Chicago rolls out against Minnesota every time they play. This team mashes against Minnesota literally every time they play. And we both know that Jax is a guy who's been surprisingly mediocre, but he's not very good. You think the White Sox are just pencil men for six or seven minimum in this spot? You're not. You're not. A, you're not a believer in Griffin Jack, Scott. No, it's mostly just backing. Chicago's offense against Minnesota because you look through the matchups during the regular season, it's been a destruction. I am probably not as excited about that game as you are because Jax, you look at his numbers and they don't look that impressive, but you look a little deeper. It all stems from one game, Scott. He gave up six earned in five innings against Kansas City in his first start ever. Since then, he's been good. He's made three straight starts, given up one run in each of them and given up only six hits over 14 in the third innings to go along with four walks. I'm, I just love that I love that Chicago lineup. I know. Back and in the lineup. They are, I, I, I can't. They're mashing right now. I, I totally agree. I don't I don't hate it, but I just I don't have the face in Keichel that you do either. He's given I up. said team total, so I'm not even including Keichel. Oh, you're just going to take him out of the equation? I'm going to cheat and take him out of the equation. So where are we where are we at here? That's uh they made the total attendance. So where are we going to look at? Well, we're going to get five and a half out of that. I would. It's think. five and a half because it's yeah. about minus one forty five. So yep. it's probably five and a half. Probably going to be minus one fifteen, minus one twenty. Hard not to play it because the one thing about Jacks, no matter how well he does, he's not going to go long. He's going to. How's that Minnesota bullpen? Eesh, yeah, that's it's it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit it's of an a, adventure. It's a bit of an adventure. I was going to say train wreck, but yeah, they're. Uh, they're not good. Four eight seven on the year. Five one four ERA at Target Field, where this game will be being played. 
On the other hand, Chicago White Sox, uh, their bullpen is actually better on the road if you're thinking about taking a side in this one. For me, it's going to be yeah, team total over five and a half or pass because we're going to get we're going to get four shots at this Minnesota bullpen minimum, and if we get more than that, we're probably already over the team total. So yeah, all right, I'll go ahead and I'll play the team total. Probably not quite as hardy heartily endorsed by you as as as, uh, as by me as it is by you, but. I'm just, I'm just going to back the hot hand with that White Sox lineup. That's hard, that's hard to argue with. How about Manaya and McKenzie as Oakland goes up against Cleveland? This one opened up at uh, Oakland minus 158. And a little bit of Cleveland money coming in, Scott. It's now down to about 145, 150 across the board. 10 is where it opened, and it's now down to 9 even in some spots. You can get a 9 juiced over, or you can get 9.5 at some other spots. What am I missing here, my friend? Why is that Cleveland money coming in? Was it because of tonight's or last night's performance? Uh, no, I think it's because Manai got shelled in his last outing. Okay. So I, I think it's an overreaction to his bad start against San Diego, but he's been great this season. McKenzie, we both know he's not very good. Uh, Cleveland, do you make an argument that they played yesterday in a makeup game, so they have some momentum? On the other hand, you can make an argument that you'd rather be the team with the day off the day prior because your bullpen's entirely rested and you're ready to go. That's the situation Oakland's in. Right. Oakland's got the better starting pitcher, the better overall team. And I like Manaya a lot. So I'm going to go with Oakland. You? It does look a little fishy, though, with the line. It does. But McKenzie is really uh, – he pitched He pitched decent his last time out. Gave up three earned in seven innings, but he was dreadful before that against the Chicago White Sox. So – um. I don't know about the A's here with, with Manaya. Um, I'm just looking at the number. I feel like it should be higher. So you can you can read that both ways. One, you're getting a good deal. B, it's a trap line. But at the end of the day, I'm just looking at it, and I see a situation where I think that people might be overreacting to the one game. I think it's mostly Manaya's bad start, but San Diego literally saw him the week prior. So they had enough film on him, and they made some adjustments. I think Cleveland struggles. All right, very good. Um, we've got the two uh, big series there in the East as Tampa Bay squares off against Boston. Uh, Boston behind Rodriguez is a minus 130 favorite is where it opened, and that number has plummeted now down to about minus 115. It opened at 10, now down to 9.5 in some spots, trending that direction as Patino goes against Eduardo Rodriguez for uh, the Sox. What do you got here, my friend? Under what circumstance, regardless of who's pitching you, Boston now? I don't know how you play this team. I honestly don't. What what have they lost? Nine of their last 11? Mm -hmm. They're falling apart. Uh, I know Patino's a guy who we acknowledge is decent at best, and Eduardo Rodriguez has been pretty good lately. This Boston team is in a full Mets-style implosion right now. And Tampa, on the other hand, has been great. They have the best record uh, that they've had all year long. I know they just played Baltimore over the weekend, so I'm sure we could have won a couple of games too if we were on the roster. But at the end of the day, Tampa's a much better team. And until Boston writes the ship somewhat for a full nine-inning game, I can't back this team because Boston is right now, I can't even say they're treading water. They're starting to drown. Yeah, and this it's, it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck-to-suck situation as they've given up eight or more in three of their last five games. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay... Raken, Scott, they've scored 20, excuse me, 31 runs in their last three games. No, none of those games landing less than nine against Baltimore. 
Paulson's trying to throw some chairs off the Titanic to prevent the boat from sinking. That's kind of the impression I'm getting from this team. You? That's a yeah. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty solid analogy right there, my friend. That's that's just about right. So, all right, very good. Uh, anything else? We've got time for maybe maybe two more, one more certainly. What do you got? Got the big game there in Philly, Dodgers and the Phillies. Scherzer and Nola. Scott, can we just can we just fade the Dodgers at plus one fifty and call it good? I feel like that's how I'm going with this one. Philly, I know, has won eight in a row, I believe. Playing really good baseball. Harper's has a great chance to win the MVP. Uh, Nola's been a little bit streaky. Scherzer's made one star with the Dodgers, which went pretty well, struck out 10 guys. I just think the price is a little bit ridiculous. I know the Dodgers should be favored. I think it should be closer to around 130, based on how well Philly's played. Right. I'll go with Philly plus the money because yep. I think there's a lot of value. I'm with you. I'm I'm absolutely with you on that one. And if it goes to extras, you know the Dodgers ain't gonna win. Uh, what are they? One and twelve. They're zero and eleven. They won one. Oh they no, won they, one they have not won one. They're they did. They beat San, they beat San Diego in like April. I don't believe that's true. That's hundred percent factual. I'm telling you, they're like one and twelve. They definitely have one extra innings. One. All right. Well, we'll 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 talk about that tomorrow. We'll look it up and we'll. See I, I know I'm right. So. Just oh well. Okay. Me. Well, since you know you're right. Well, in fact, I just read zero and eleven today. So we'll see how that works out. I'm telling you, you're wrong. But it's cool. Well, I'm telling you that you're wrong. So now, how do you feel? I know I'm right. I watched. I watched that game against the Padres back in April. I know I'm right. Okay. All right. Dude, well, it's all good. We could do this all day, but you'll wear the golden we, feed bag tomorrow. It's fine. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Scott and I to put our heads together and work together as a team, confident in our knowledge, as we bring you our very, very favorite play of the day. It is time to put on your straw hat, strap on those overalls, climb aboard your John Deere. Get ready, kids. It is, once again, Bet the Farm! Well, that was a... uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty good farm situation there Scott I uh I don't remember how did we do yesterday We had the White Sox team total over five and a half runs and they scored seven runs in the first two innings It's a beautiful thing never a doubt Beautiful beautiful Is that three straight for us? I believe so. Roll on, Big Daddy. What do we got for today? So, looking at the Bet the Farm play, it's going to be on the Yankees and Royals, and it's the game after theory for Scott Steen because we're going with the under. That's right. In this one. It's 10 and a half, and I think that total's way too high. You're looking at the pitching matchup, Nestor Cortez on the mound for the Yankees, 2.15 ERA and a 1.04 whip. Meanwhile, you have Lynch on the mound for Kansas City. His overall numbers are not great, but his last three starts, very good. 19 innings pitch, 1.89 ERA. You look at the Yankees lineup. This team has a lot of guys out with COVID. Uh, We know yesterday's game ended up being high scoring, but it was all in the later innings. It was a complete snooze fest for six innings, and 10 after seems way too high. Kansas City scored less than four runs in three of its last five games. And the under is 7-1 and in Kansas City's last eight games against a lefty starter. End of the day, we see this game ending 5-3, something like that. But 10 half runs. Way, way too high. We like the under. Absolutely true. I totally agree with that play. We got screwed out of it yesterday. You guys take care. Good luck on all your plays. We'll be back and do it again tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.